Hey, this is Ryan Tucker, and you are listening to Pastor Stephen's sermon on Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 15, and it's titled, The Benefits of Being in the Family of God. Romans chapter 8, and our text is going to be verses 12 through 17. We're talking about uh, what it means to be a part of the family of God. The benefits of being a part of the family of God. Now, I want to make this really clear because we're going to use the terminology uh, God's children or child of God. And I know that there are a lot of folks out there that kind of believe this, uh, this, this wrong theology that anyone who has been created, which would be all of us, we're all God's children. Um, well, we're not. Yes, we have all been cre- created by him, but we are not all in relationship with him. Because the Bible makes it very clear, the only way to be in relationship with God, the only way to be in God's family is to be in relationship with Jesus Christ, right? That is the only way. So understand, when I use the terminology today, children of God or child of God, I'm talking about somebody that is in relationship with God, which only comes through Jesus being your Savior and Lord. Now, the good news is you may not be a child of God right now, but you can be a child of God today. Today, you can be in relationship with him. Uh, you hear me say this all the time, the very fact that you are here today and you're going to hear me preach until my voice goes leather-like is because there's a father in heaven who loves you so that you might hear the gospel message and the prayer that we have is you might respond to the message of hope that is found in Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be in the family of God. But for those of us that know Jesus as Savior and Lord, uh, I don't know about you, but man, I am thankful for my heavenly Father, aren't you? I'm thankful I'm a part of the family of God. We used to sing that old song and we'd hold hands. That was pre-COVID days. We'd hold hands and, you know, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And so I'm thankful for that. But I'm also, I'm also proud of my heavenly father because he's a living God and not a dead God. Whenever I hear about family and us being proud of our heavenly father, I'm reminded of the story. There were, there were some kids in elementary school and there was a little boy and he was proud of his dad and he He turned to this little girl and he said, I want you to know something. My dad's so tough. My dad can whip every other dad in this town. And my dad's so confident that he can whip every other dad in this town. He's made a list of all the dads that he can whip. And your dad's name's on that list. (laughs) The little girl didn't like that. Little girl went home and told her dad. And it wasn't but a few moments later, her dad's down there beating on the door of the house of the little boy. His daddy walked out to the door, and this big old tough, muscled-up dude was standing there with a scowl on his face, the little girl's dad, and he said, I understand that you think you can whip every dad in this town. I understand that you've got a list of all the dads that you can whip in this town, and I understand that my name's on that list. I would just like to tell you, I don't think you can. What are you going to do about it? And the little boy's dad said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do about it. I'm going to take your name off my list is what I'm going to (laughs) do. Take your name off my list right there. Uh, 
Yeah, right, he was proud of his father. Well, I mean, hey, I'm proud of my father today. And Paul is proud of his father, the guy who's writing the scripture that we're going to read. And he is going to say that because of being in Christ, we are children of God. And as a result of being a child of God, there are some beautiful, beautiful benefits. Let's look there. We're in Romans chapter 8, and we're in verse 12, okay? He says in verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So this morning, what we are going to look at are four benefits of being in the family of God. These are also four proofs that would indicate that you are indeed a child of God. The first benefit is heavenly or the Almighty's heavenly leadership. The Almighty's leadership. Look in verse 14. Look at what he says in verse 14. He says, For as many who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Who's the Son of God? Those that are led by the very Spirit. Of God. We see this over and over again throughout the New Testament. There is a beautiful, beautiful picture that we see over in the book of John. It's in chapter 10 about God's children hearing his voice and God's children recognizing his voice and them being guided by the Lord. Verse 27 of John chapter 10, listen to what Jesus said. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And that's pretty simple, isn't it? My sheep hear my voice. They follow me. Back in Jesus' time, here's what would happen. They would have this huge sheep pen. And a lot of times they would put, I don't know, four, five, six, seven different flocks of sheep in that pen together. And so they're all intermingled, and whenever one of the shepherds said, okay, it's time for my sheep to go, he would walk into that pen, and he would call his sheep. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us what he called. We don't know. I mean, we don't know if he said, here, sheepy, sheepy, or, you know, here, lamby, lamb. I don't know if he had his own little special word that he used, like some of you do with your dog. That's a part of your family. But he would call his sheep, and his sheep would hear his voice, and his sheep, and only his sheep, would follow him out of the pen. The rest of the sheep would stay there because he was not their shepherd. And so there's the beautiful picture of that in Scripture. And it's interesting to me that Jesus in the Bible elsewhere says that when you want to know what we're like, when you want to know what mankind is like, they're just like sheep. And I always find that humorous whenever I read that because I'm like, come on, God, why did you make sheep the mascot of mankind? Why couldn't it have been like tigers or lions or, or bangles or eagles? 
Honestly, I'd take a dolphin, right? But sheep, he chose a lamb to be the mascot of you and I. We ought to be offended by it. You stop and think about a lamb and sheep. I mean, they are, uh, they're not the smartest animals in the world. When's the last time you went to a circus and they said, okay, now's the time for our lamb act. <laughs> no, they're too dumb. You can't teach them any tricks. Not only that, but a lamb, a lamb will wander away from the flock and they'll get lost and can't find their way back home. Uh, pigeons can find their way back home. A dog and a cat. You guys, you guys have read some of those stories like I've read before, right? There was this dog and he lives in North uh, New York and then all of a sudden he ended up in Colorado in which they never say how he ended up in Colorado, but then he makes his way all the way back home and there he is on the doorstep in New York. Dogs can find their way back home. Stop and think, a sheep or a lamb doesn't even have any natural defense. Most animals have claws, they have teeth. A turtle even has a shell, but not a lamb. And so God has said in his word, you want to know what you are like as a man, as a human, you are a lot like sheep. And listen what the Bible says about that. This is in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way. So here's what God has just said. Not only are you like sheep, but you're like low-rent sheep. You're, you're like the worst of all sheep. You've gone astray. You've turned to your own way. And so it'd be easy for us to become offended. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I'm like a lost sheep. I can't, I, there's nothing that I can do here. I can't, I can't find my way to purpose. I can't find my way home. And yet the Bible says we don't have to be afraid because there's someone willing to be our shepherd. And that's this good, good father. Listen to what the Bible says. This is over in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. It tells us what Jesus' purpose in life is, what Jesus' mission is. We sit there and we say, well, we walk into this room and we look around and we kind of see the outward, right? We look around and see what people are wearing. We look around and we see people that are tall and people that are short, people that are uh, real thin and people that are, that are not as real thin, and, and, and people that are young, and people that are old, and we look at all those things. But Jesus doesn't see any of that when he looks around. You know what he sees? Listen to what it says. This is in Matthew 9, 36. It says, when he, that's Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God, he says that you are like a lamb without a shepherd. He even says a lost lamb. Now, the Bible uses the word lost to describe the condition of somebody that does not know Jesus as Savior and Lord. And so the Bible says that, hey, Jesus came for somebody just like you. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek out the lost lambs and to save that which is lost. And so could it be that you finally come to the point where you're like, all right, I'm ready to admit it, I'm a lamb. And I'm not even the best lamb. 
I've gotten off track, right? I've gotten lost. I've got things a little mixed up. I've gotten, I've gotten things a little messed up in my own life. And so I've wandered away for maybe what God's original plan for my life was. Jesus has gone to amazing lengths to find you and to rescue you. Matter of fact, in the book of Luke, chapter 15, here's what we learn. That God, the one who says, I will be your shepherd, God is the kind of shepherd, it says there, he will leave the 99 and he'll go find that one lost lamb that has wandered off. That that's how much God loves you. I know it's so easy for us to sit there and say, well, who could love me that way? I don't even love myself that way. Friend, I'm telling you, God's love for you is not dependent upon anyone else's love for you. His love is complete. His love is perfect. His love is unconditional. And very few of us even know what that is like. There's always conditions that are placed upon love. Maybe you would sit there and say, I've never known unconditional love. I'm telling you, there is a great shepherd that today says, I love you so much that even though you've made a mess of your life, even though you have wandered away from the hundred or the 99, I'm seeking you and I will save you. In other words, God loves you so much that if you were the only lost person on planet earth, Jesus would go to the cross and he would still suffer and he would still die just to seek and to save you. And so what Jesus or what Paul is saying here is, if you're a child of God, you belong to the flock of the good shepherd, that when he speaks, you recognize his voice and you follow him. So let me this morning ask you a very private, a very personal question. When God speaks, do you recognize his voice? Do you know for sure when God is speaking to you? And when you hear him, do you follow him? Look what it says in verse 14 back in our text in Romans 8. In verse 14 it says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Have you ever heard a Christ follower make a statement like this? I just felt led to do this. I just felt led to pray for you. I just felt led to give this money. I just felt led to call you and encourage you. I'll never forget, several years ago, there was a, there was a man in the church that I was pastoring, and uh, he was there every time the doors were open. A great guy, a really good guy. I would sit there and say, man, this is a really good church member. And he came, and he was talking to me one day, and he said, Brother Stephen, I, I, I've got a question. He said, listen, I hear you talk, and others talk about, you know, the Lord leading them to do something. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been a part of this church uh, my entire life, and I hardly ever miss a Sunday and stuff. But when I hear y'all talk about God leading you to do something, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean that God leads you to do something? Now, now, I would like to add a little something to that statement, okay? God will never lead you to do anything contrary to what his word says. Okay, there are some of you saying, oh, if God would only write something in the clouds. Oh, if God, I don't know, I was, you know, I was, I was cooking a grilled cheese sandwich the other day, and I'm like, Lord, if you really want me to do this, then put a, a Y on one side of the grilled cheese or an N on the, I mean, you know, you just some crazy foolish stuff. And we sat there, if only if God would speak, he's spoken, friend. Getting his word. 
But you know the Holy Spirit will sit there and the Holy Spirit will lead you. He will direct you. And this guy's name was Joe. And he said, he said, I just don't know what you mean by that. I've, I've never in my life felt led by God to do anything. And as gently as I knew how, I said, Joe, I gotta be honest with you, man. I just don't know that you're in Christ. So we started fleshing that out. We started talking. Please hear me. A good, good guy. A faithful church attending guy. A guy who gave his money. A guy who was, who was highly, highly religious. And we started breaking this whole thing out. Come to find out he had never, he had never surrendered to Jesus in his life. And he had no relationship with him. And so right then and there, he became born again, right? Right then and there, he, he, fall, he fell on his knees. He cried out to Christ. He surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. And then a little bit later, he ended up coming back to me, I don't know, several weeks later. And here's what he said. He said, do you know what? You, you remember the conversation we had? And I'm like, yeah, I remember the conversation we had. And here's what he said. Well, now I know what it means to feel led by the Spirit of God. Let me ask you. You ever felt led by God to do something? Do you feel directed by his spirit in your life? Maybe some of you need to think about that man. You ever sense God leading you to do something? And if so, have you followed him? I'm just saying that is a great sign of a child of God. And that is a beautiful benefit of being in his family. He'll lead you. He'll direct you. The very almighty father in heaven. But then there's a second benefit and a second proof of being a part of the family of God, and that is adoption. Look in verse 15. Look at the last part. It says that we are adopted in the family of God. He says in verse 15, but you receive the spirit of adoption. Stop and think about this. How did we receive the spirit of adoption? Again, he has spent a lot of time before this talking about in Christ, in Christ. So much in Christ. You remember a few weeks ago, I preached an entire message that was just in Christ. And he says, you're in Christ, you're in Christ, you're in Christ. Now you are in relationship to God the Father. Now you have been grafted in to his family, okay? We would explain it this way. The very way that God views Jesus, the Son, is the very way now he sees you who are in Christ. That God claims you. You're his. Now, don't we like claiming our kids? I mean, most of the time, right? Not all the time, right? Most of the time. Maybe the better question is, don't we like claiming our grandkids? I don't have any, excuse me. Your grandkids? Yeah, don't we do that? Don't we do that? Don't we sit there and when they're, I don't know, you know, when they're out on the ball field or they're involved in some play or, you know, they're involved in a dance recital or something like that. And you're like, that's my kid. That's my kid. That's my kid. Or, you know, you grandparents, we know it's your kid because you've got, you know, uh, Brayton's pawpaw all over your t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, we like to do that. Well, he's he just said that, that God is is claiming us. Chew on that for a moment. They're mine. Matter of fact, look at verse 17. 
He says, and if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Here's what that means. It means that everything that God is, that everything that God has, we are heirs to that. It means that we are a child of the king. You're a child of the king if you're in Christ. If you have, that ought to make you at least want to set up and say, glory, hallelujah, I'm a child of the king, right? There, there, there's a southern gospel song that was written in the 80s, and we would sing it in the church that I grew up in, small little Baptist church, maybe just this section right here was the size of it, and uh, our arm waver would get up there, and he liked this song, but the problem was it wasn't written in the hymn book, and we had a few in our church that believed that you couldn't sing a song unless it was in the Holy Baptist hymnal. And so he would actually start, he would, he would have little words put in the bulletin so that we could sing this song. Now, this song was written by a radical, radical songwriter. Uh, I, honestly, I can't even believe we sang it. It was written by uh, Bill and Gloria Gaither. Um, <laughs> the title of it is A Child of the King. Maybe you sang this in your church. Yes, oh yes, I'm a child of the king, his royal blood now flows in my veins, and I who was wielded and poor now can sing, praise God, praise God, I'm a child of the king. I, we, we get to that, oh my God, like that, right? Praise God, praise God, I'm a child of the king. I've sold out of CDs, but if you'll send me an email, I'll send you a link where you can, you can, you can get that, okay? A child of the king. Am I the only one that gets excited about this? I am a child of the king. Now, I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up in royalty. I didn't grow up having a lot. I mean, I had what I needed, but I didn't have a lot. I've kind of sit there with my folks and like, hey, let's make a deal. If you'll just make sure all your bills are paid when you leave this earth, we'll call it even. <laughs> but I'm telling you, in Jesus, I am a child of the king. Praise God for that. There are great benefits to being in the family of God, right? I have this leadership, this direction from the Almighty Father in heaven. I have been adopted into his family. Here's the third benefit. I have affection. The very affection of God, the Father. Now, when you think of the word affection, what do you think about? I, I usually think about intimacy, you know, uh, kind of a love romantic type relationship. Uh, that, uh, you know, affection, the intimacy, the kind that a husband and wife has, that a husband and wife, they'll, they'll know each other better, more intimately than they know anyone else, or that's the way it's designed to be. That's the way Jennifer and I uh, relate to each other, the intimacy and the affection that is there in our marital relationships because we know each other so well. I address my wife differently than the way I address anyone else. 
I can promise you this morning, when I was walking down the mallway, making my way to the first service, I did not, even though I spoke to several folks, I addressed several folks, I did not say to any one of them, hey, baby. (laughs) But I'll say that to her. Hey, baby. And then she has pet names for me. Weirdo. <laughs> honey, honey, I'm not going to call any of the rest of you honey. Even if I'm trying to get you to leave me a tip at a restaurant, I'm not calling you honey. I call her honey, she calls me dork. <laughs> she gets on to me when I do this. People think that I'm just so mean. No, no, she, hey, listen, listen, I, I, I weigh out punning my coverage when it came to her. I am blessed, blessed, blessed by the wife that I have. There are folks that say, well, you know, I I used to go to that church. He talked way too much about his wife. Well, she's my best friend. And uh, and I I like to talk about her, okay? She hates it when I talk about her. Uh, Some of you just stare at her when I talk about her. (laughs) She's calm and cool. She is not going to react. She is not going to react. But stop and think. Let's put this back in the proper context. The Bible says that you and I can have and intimacy with the creator of the universe. We, 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 we can have an affectionate relationship with the creator of the universe. You're like, all right, you've gone a little weird. No, no, no. We're not talking about the physical aspect of that. We're just talking about knowing each other intimately. Look at what verse 15 says. You received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Abba. Hey, we're not talking about a a 1970s Swedish rock band that you got your disco on with, with Dancing Queen, okay? (laughs) Abba, Abba, it is an Aramaic word that a little baby would utter to their parent. It's, (coughs) excuse me, it'd be like our English word, mama or daddy, And to me, it's an amazing thing that the Bible uses this right here. That the Bible says, okay, when you are in Christ, you now have a benefit. Affectionately, you can go to God, the creator, and you can call him Abba or Daddy. You're like, why does that matter? Understand that the Jews in the Old Testament, they would only refer to him as Father. And we see that over the New Testament as well. They would only refer to him as Father. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, when a Jew would come to the word that we have translated for, uh, for, for God, for Father, uh, Yahweh, uh, they wouldn't even say that, right? Because they're like, he is so, he is so far removed. He is, he, is, he is so holy, so remote. remote. I'm not even going to speak his name. You say, what changed? How did it go from that to now you and I and Scripture is saying, hey, by the way, you can now come to God and you can call God Abba. You can call him Daddy. You can know him that intimately. What was the change? There you go, Jesus. Jesus changed it all. Jesus tore the curtain in two and he says, all right, now you no longer have to have a priest to go to God the Father on your behalf. You can come to me. You can refer to him as Abba. You can know him that intimately. Look again at verse 15. Are y'all with me this morning? You're tracking with me? Hey, it's cold out there. You don't want to go out there right now. Verse 15. 
It says, by him we cry, Abba. It's the very same word for cry that was used when Jesus cried out on the cross, giving up the ghost. It is finished. The very same word, cry. And so when it says cry, Abba, doesn't mean that you waltz into the presence of God Almighty and say, hey, Dad, how you doing? It means there are times in our lives when we are so burdened, and there are times in our lives when we are so hurting, and there are times in our lives where we are so distressed. Honestly, there are times in our lives where we're like, I have no one to turn to. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. He says at those times, you, because of Jesus, can literally cry out, Abba, Daddy. Daddy. Have you ever been so lonely before that you thought you were the only person on earth? He says that in Christ, in those times, you can say, Abba, Daddy, I'm so lonely. And he'll be right there. Have you ever found your body to be such, in such pain that you thought you'd never get any relief? He says on, in those situations, you can fall down on your face before God and you can say, Abba, Daddy, I am hurting. Have you ever found yourself to be so discouraged that you didn't want to get out of bed that morning? And just the thought of tomorrow and the thought of next week, it just flat out drove you crazy. That whenever, guys, in Christ, whenever we get that discouraged, we can fall on our knees and we can say, Abba, Daddy, I need your help. And he's right there. That that is a benefit that a child of God has that someone who does not belong to him, that they do not have. And so... He is telling us here, these are beautiful, beautiful, beautiful pictures and privileges as children of God. And I've told you, it's one of the proofs as well. So I'm in Christ. I'm a child of God. I have the leadership of the Almighty. I have been adopted into the very family of God. I am a co-heir with Jesus Christ, not according to anything that I've done. If anything, I don't deserve to be in his family. I deserve to still be claimed what I was when I came into this world, an enemy of his family. And oh, by the way, he says, now, now you can know me as daddy, as daddy. There are only three individuals on this earth that can call me daddy. If your kid runs up to me in the hallway and says, hey, daddy, 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 I'm like, hang on, hoss. You've mistaken me. And now that my kids are older, it's dad. But I can tell you something. When they need something. It usually goes like this. Hey, daddy, could you deposit... Could you, could you Venmo some money into my account? <laughs> God says you can call him daddy. Let me give you the fourth one, okay? And we might get out of here. Hmm, I don't know, maybe on time. We have assurance. Assurance. If I were to ask you today, are you saved? Uh, a lot of different ways that you could respond. Some of you would say, yes, I know that I'm saved. And then some of you may say, well, I hope that I'm saved or I think that I'm saved. 
But did you know the very birthright of every child of God is to know that you're saved? You can have confidence that you are in Christ. You can have assurance that when you finally leave this earth that you will go to be in the very presence of Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Sometimes people will say this. They'll say, Pastor Stephen, can you really know that for sure you are a Christian? Absolutely. Not only can you know that you are saved, but I'll tell you what the old country preacher I had growing up used to say. You can know that you know that you know that you are saved. That you can come to a total absolute assurance that you are indeed a child of God that nothing upon nothing could ever shake that assurance. And I'll just say this. If you don't have that assurance right now, something's wrong. Because God has said, this is a birthright of a child of mine. You can know that you are saved. You say, well, what's the problem if I don't, if I don't know that I know, if I don't have that assurance? Well, I'd say either like my friend Joe, you need to truly be saved. That might be the problem. Or the problem could be that you've really never come to that place of full assurance where you can say with confidence, I know in whom I have believed and I, I know that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him. I know that he is able to keep my heart, to keep my soul. You say, how can we know? Several places God's word tells us that we can know. I would tell you a great book to read and start is 1 John. Over in 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, listen to what John says. John says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. So, know Jesus, then know life. Know Jesus, know salvation. I'm using the word N-O. He says, you find assurance and you find hope and you have the testimony of eternal life in Jesus. Verse 13 of 1 John 5. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And the word of God makes it very clear. You turn from your sins. You repent from your sins. You trust in Jesus Christ. You place your faith in him. And then you know that you are a child of God. Again, I go back to our study of Romans. It's the reason why Paul over and over is saying, it's in Christ, it's in Christ, it's in Christ. And then look back at verse 16 in Romans 8, our original text. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are, not might be, that we are, not, not maybe, that we are children of God. That means this, that when you become a follower of Christ, the very Holy Spirit of God takes up residence inside of you. And when by your human spirit you say, yes, I am a child of God, I surrender to Jesus Christ, then the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit rises up inside of you and the Holy Spirit says, amen, glory, hallelujah. In other words, you have this you have this inner sense of the presence of God living inside of you. And sometimes preachers come 
and preachers try to make people doubt their salvation. And I'd just like to say this. If you have a salvation that's doubtable, something's wrong. Let us not blame the preacher. Friend, listen to me. You either need to be truly born again or you need to come to such absolute, total, rock-solid assurance that no preacher, not even an angel from heaven, could ever make you once again doubt that you indeed are a child of God. Hear me, I'm not bragging on my salvation. I'm still just as shocked as you are that God would save me. I'm just as shocked as you are that God would choose to use me to do anything that is worthy or anything that would last beyond this life. But I promise you, if an angel of God showed up right now and he pointed his heavenly finger or I don't know, his wing, I have no idea, he pointed it in my face and said, Stephen, Kyle, you are not a father follower of Jesus Christ, you're not saved. I would say not based upon anything that I am or anything that I've done. I would based upon the forgiving grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. You angels, shut your mouth. You don't know what you're talking about. And by the way, he didn't die for you. He died for me. I belong to him and I'm a child of God. And you can have that same assurance. So never again will you have to doubt. See, there are folks that think, well, you can't really know, right? Salvation is this eternal guessing game. And there are folks that have even said to me, really, you really won't know until that day that you stand before God. But folks, if that is what you hold to, then there's a lot of great scripture we're going to have to rip out of this book. Again, I go back to, it's not causing uh, doubt or it's not bringing into question you. Assurance of salvation is calling into question Jesus. Did he do what he said he could do? Can I trust what he has said? And so there are some you need to get that settled today. Oh, please hear me. Please hear me. The last thing in the world I want to do is bring confusion. But I'm telling you, friend, if every time you hear me preach and every time you hear me talk about surrendering to Jesus Christ and every time you hear me say, come, give your life to Jesus, I share the good news of Jesus, which I would say is every Sunday. And you're like, well, I feel very uncomfortable right now. Maybe we need to go to a church where they don't talk so much about Jesus. Please don't do that. Do not discount the convicting power of the Spirit of God. And then there's some, there's some that have the problem that you're just not enjoying the benefits of being a part of the family of God. True story that happened, I don't know, many, many years ago before they had airliners, airplanes, you know, they, there was an immigrant family that came over uh, to, to New York and uh, they started earning a little bit of money and opened up a business and they, they wanted their parents to come over and visit them. And so the only way their parents could come from Europe over to New York was uh, to get on a, a you know, a big, uh, a big ship and to sail over. And it took a long, long time. 
And so they saved up their money. They bought tickets. They, they sent them back over to Europe, and their parents got on the boat. And the people, the children in the United States, they were so, uh, they were so excited. They were very impatient. They were waiting. They were waiting. They were waiting. And finally, their parents arrived, and they were there at the port to greet them. And, you know, they didn't spend a lot of time talking. They grabbed their luggage, and they took them back. They wanted to show them where they lived. And so the daughter went into the room, and she was opening up her mother's suitcase and she was putting away her mother's things and as she opened up her mother's suitcase she saw just a few clothes and she saw several pieces of stale half-eaten bread moldy cheese some cracker crumbs and she said mom what what is, what is this what, what, why is this 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 old bread nasty cheese in your suitcase and the mother said well we we were so excited to be able to come and see you. And we're so glad that we're here. But, you know, we don't have any money. And so we, we couldn't afford the food on the ship over here. And, you know, we would, we would walk by and we would look in the dining room and we would see folks in there just eating luxurious meals. And we would, we would smell the food. And it was just, it was so hard on us. We were so hungry. So we would go back to the little cabin that we had and we would open up the suitcase and we would eat our bread and our cheese and, you know, it tied us over. And I'm so thankful we finally got here because we were almost out of it. And she said it was, it was so hard because we stayed hungry most of the time. And here's what her daughter said. She said, mom, didn't you know that all that food was included in the price of your ticket? All the food that you saw them eating in the dining room, that was yours too. You could eat it anytime you wanted to. It was there for you. We paid for that. It was a part of the ticket. You got on the boat, you could have the food. How tragic would that be? See, here's the problem. I believe that there are a lot of folks out there that are a part of the family of God who've grown content Eating yesterday's stale bread and moldy cheese. And all the while you have a father in heaven who says, everything that's mine belongs to you. You're like, cool, I heard a guy preach that last night on TV. And so here's what I want. I want a new house and I want a new car. And I want, I want the body I had when I was 20. And I want a new husband. I mean, well, no, I just want him to transform my husband. And uh, no, friend, listen to me. You're shooting too low. He says, if you're a part of my family, I've adopted you. I'll lead you. Call me daddy. And I'll give you something money can't buy confidence and assurance of your salvation see those guys out there that preach this prosperity gospel name it and claim it do you know they are robbing god of glory now god wants to do the eternal and i'm telling you these things on this screen no money can buy but there is one who paid for it, 
and that's Jesus. Paul would say, in Christ. In Christ. Heirs of the glories of heaven. God says this. God says, I'll spread a banquet table in front of you in the presence of your enemies. And you can call me Abba, Daddy. Start enjoying who you are as a child of God. Hey guys, this is Stephen Kyle, and I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today, Unchangeable Truth. This is a ministry of Highland Park Baptist Church in Panama City, Florida. We would love for you to visit us if you ever find yourself in the Panama City area. Our address is 2611 Highway 231 North. You can also learn more about our church and its ministry by going to our website, www.highland, and it's H-I-L-A-N-D, park.org. There you'll learn more about what we believe, what we teach, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There'll also be a sermon archive there so you can go and listen to various sermons over the last several years. As always, we would love to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. So feel free, shoot us an email, info at highlandpark.org. If you'd like to learn more about Jesus and what it means to follow him, Our prayers are that you would draw near to Christ, that this podcast would be used to point you to Jesus and to help your faith grow and your walk increase. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening.